0: The Israeli-Hamas war is splitting the world. Understandable but potentially destructive reactions and extreme positions rule the day, producing polarization, rage, and a dearth of compassion. What are wise responses, and how do we make space for them in ourselves and our society? We talk about this with Dr. Shakar Erez, an Israeli psychotherapist, contemplative and integral practitioner, about how to navigate these extreme situations and emotions. Shakar had just come from the funeral of his friends, both parents and three children slaughtered by Hamas. Join us for this intensely powerful immersion in the issue of our time.
1: Welcome to Deep Transformation, Self, Society, Spirit Dr. Roger Walsh is still himself. Thank God. And today we have with us an extraordinary guest. And I I don't know how not to say something that doesn't sound like a cliche, but Shakar Erez. And he is a dear friend of mine. He is in Israel. And he's he's an Israeli-American. He has passports from both places, but he chose to raise his family in Israel. And we met when I was teaching at JFK University. And just one of those things, you know, there was a glimmering, there was a something when I met this guy, and we just stayed in touch. There was some kind of connection that was that was made. So Shakar is, he's intricately informed, for those of you who know what that means. He's very transpersonal. He is a therapist, a successful therapist in Israel, and his specialty is helping married couples fall back in love. And he has a very successful vibrant practice and you're probably going to get so many phone calls from him i think this is just our our contact because this it's 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 a noble wonderful field and i've never really heard anybody doing that before shakar so uh sometime in more peaceful times we'll probably we'll we'll have you back shakar where you talk about that part of your life i think it's absolutely Mm. fascinating and could help save the world in a big way and when this thing happened, when the the war began and there was the slaughter of the innocents and civilians that were killed, I couldn't get a hold of Shakar for whatever reason. My WhatsApp and my emails, and I was very, very concerned. So I would just, every couple of days, I would finally send a message out and I would pray for him and his family. And he was okay. I mean, okay physically, but um yeah. So we've been talking, and I just want to say I'm deeply, deeply affected by this whole thing, and I hope that what comes from me is helpful and wise, but I am, I'm feeling very, very strongly about this and praying my ass off to try to stay centered and stay in a good place. So, Shikar, is there anything that I, uh, I left out that you'd like to add for people to know about you?
2: <clears throat> no, thank you. That's, that was good. Ah, excuse me just flooded here (laughs) no that was good i'm not you know i'm just a guy here today an israeli guy integrally informed (laughs) a couple's therapist but you know i'm here just to be me i'm not presenting anyone really yeah it's just myself
3: And, and i'd like to just Add to what was you implied earlier, John, and you just you did too, uh, Shakar, in that uh, basically our aspirations for this, and my hope is that that we can have a dialogue, uh, use our dialogue to, in some small way, through our outreach, which is now fairly significant, in some way, help help and heal. Uh, we can hold all the suffering on all sides in our hearts and not fall so easily into the partisanship, which is rancorous even here in in many countries around the world. It's amazing how the, how partisanship has has become ex- quite extreme in so, in so much of the world around us. And the hope that we can hold a, a larger, more encompassing, and compassionate perspective, and consider consider the bigger picture as much as we possibly can. And even to say that is, is deemed inappropriate in some circles these days. But that's my hope.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank, thank you, Roger. That, that's beautiful. And I got to say, I'm not sure I can hold all perspectives right now. I'm very flooded. I was today in a funeral.
0: Mm.
2: of a 79 year old that was murdered the father of my friend and his wife was kidnapped and their son is still missing I'm so sorry brother And, and a fourth one fourth of their community 25% every fourth fourth person
1: Shakar, while you're, while you're feeling your feelings, let me tell folks a little bit about my history with all this. And when I was very young, we lived in the jungles of Mexico with my family, and it was my mom taught us, and I was the youngest. And so I'd finish my work, and I'd sit in and listen to what my brothers were learning like four and seven years ahead of me. And they started talking about the Holocaust. I must have been five, six years old. And I was just, what? What? Human beings can do stuff like this? That became one of uh, the questions of my life. How can such things happen? And then when I was probably around 11 or 12, I read my first big, fat, juicy novel, and that was Exodus by Leon Uris. And he was talking about, you know, it's a novel, a historical novel about the Jews trying to get out of Europe after the Holocaust and, and getting to Israel and the foundation of the Israeli state. I was i was like, you know, I lived in an upper middle class family and I had great parents and, you know, I had every opportunity. But, but there was something in that book that had so much meaning to it. And I said, I want to have that kind of meaning. I want to care that much. You know, and I, I just don't care enough. There's nothing here that really grabs me like that so and in the ensuing years I've studied Jewish history and Jewish mysticism and had many friends and been deeply affected by uh, Jewish thinkers and philosophers and scientists and Einsteins and, and all of this in a, in a huge way and so I'm a bit of a, a pro-Semite and that really sounds really ridiculous but uh file or something like that. I have, I have a lot of respect for that team. And I know that makes me not balanced and people are going to be pissed at me saying this right now, but I just feel that way. And I love Israel. Like I love America with open heart and open eyes. Okay. I truly love my country, but I truly get it. we ain't perfect. And we made a lot of mistakes and I try to acknowledge that. And as I do that, my love grows you know and i feel the same way about israel i don't agree with everything and and poor jews oh my god either you guys are satan or you're the chosen people that are the solution to everything so either they put you down you know down in in the depths of hell or on this spiritual you know mountain it's it's really hard to live up to you can't be bad enough you can't be good enough it's a hard thing and 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 of course it's because you guys you know have been such a, a, a huge impact on western history and through the west of the whole world and and now i notice with this war going on you know you start to see uh uh, anti-semitism come up you know and and people are you know the uh, just it's right there it's a part of our history it's a part of our being so if if we can bring wisdom and compassion to this and realize that there's a lot of killing and dying going on. And there are Palestinians who had nothing to do with the Hamas maniacs who are dying because of that. And I think Hamas wanted that to happen too. So how can we get through this? And and maybe even more personally, uh, Shakar, how does a man with your spiritual values and your ethical values, how do you get through a time like this uh, and what you just went through, uh, uh, a funeral for a nine-year-old who was murdered in the last few weeks? So let me let me just turn that over uh, to you, Shakara. Thank you, John. Well,
2: the truth is I don't know yet. <laughs> We're still in it. Yeah, of course. You know we're after the big horror, but there's still war with Gaza, with Hamas, and there might be war with Lebanon and Syria and Iran and <laughs> we're not safe yet, you know the end of trauma when 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 I when, when I when we treat trauma patients, we look for when they're safe. We're not there yet
0: mm-hmm.
2: We're still in the midst of this acute stress. I can tell you what's working for me now and I can tell you where I feel I'm not done yet. And uh, the first few days, the first week was just super scary. I've been to the military. I've been to scary events. This was beyond anything anyone ever experienced. So for a few days, we were really scared. My wife was shaking for a couple of days, shaking all the time. Slowly we got out of that uh, freeze uh, state and we feel a little bit safer and we're more, uh, more grim. I'm saying we, but it's actually I, me. Uh, people are, are, are having very different experiences, but I was very scared at the beginning, it was hard to function. The grief was overwhelming. Uh, you know, it was a, uh, I was trying to do just small actions like uh, doing the dishes or doing the laundry or, or taking care of the garden. This was this was functioning. This was, wow, alive. It got a little bit, a little bit better in the last week or so. I'm uh, functioning pretty well. I'm seeing clients and that's very resourcing to me, actually, to be there for other people. I'm doing my practices, working out is very helpful. After working out, I have a couple of hours that I can feel capable. I meditate, I think, twice than ever, which means like twice a day, sometimes three times a day. I can also feel this, um, I don't know how to call it, blessing, I guess, that I have this deep knowing that with all this horror, with all this... When everything seems so broken, I have, I still have this knowing that everything is okay. It's not a belief. I, I can feel it. <laughs> Thank God for that. And it's actually getting stronger, which is surprising to me. I can tell you... Part of my practice is to make it I, part of my spiritual practice is to make others what I feel is other, to make it me, to find where I am like that. I'm struggling with that right now. It's not easy to find such a horrifying part in me. I still I can and can I can feel the the impulse to to you know for revenge and to kill and to 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 get rid of that part, you know of Hamas and what it represents. That's still a challenge.
1: Yeah, and and you also when we talked the other day, you said that you were working with uh, groups. I guess other therapists that are are trying to help people who are like you said, we're right in the middle of it. It's not PTSD, it's the trauma of the moment. Maybe tell us a little bit how what you bring with your practice and and, and your, your knowing, how does that work and what can you possibly say or do for people who are going through this? Are in it, I should say, yeah.
2: I can say that the amount of trauma is just shocking and we can't really understand it. But what I'm seeing more than ever is resiliency. I was talking to people that were in that party, that they were hunted down. You know, it was 6.30 a.m. The sun was rising, the peak of the festival. Everybody is super happy. Love is in the air. Freedom, beautiful sky. And then missiles start dropping on them, and then people start shooting, and then and they're running away. And uh, I don't know how many were killed, but many escaped. And I talked to a couple, a few that were that escaped. I I think they will be okay. Actually, it's how how do I explain that? They were resourceful enough in the moment the moment was hours, yeah, they were resourceful enough for hours to be able to escape, I, I think they'll be okay. When I was talking to them, the, the, the practice was to remember what was happening, we, we were trying to prevent future PTSD symptoms. Okay, so they're super confused and numb and all sorts of symptoms that right now make sense. But we want them to go away within four to six weeks so they don't become ptsd symptoms and part of the practice is to remember and tell the story and to reframe it as resourceful uh, abilities so i was it was very resourcing for me because they were already very resilient the people that i got to talk to i bet you not everyone is like that but the few that i got to talk to uh, shocked you know their friends died they saw people getting shot at next to them but they were uh, resourceful enough and um, they felt able enough to run away and that's that's meaningful so of course they'll be scratched you know of to- of course there will be leftovers from such an experience but hopefully it won't turn into ptsd mm.
3: And you find, clearly, you're, you're suggesting you find this supporting others to be incredibly helpful for yourself, Shikar.
2: Yeah, you know, there's something at the therapist chair that I'm yes. able to contain. <laughs> it feels like I'm able to contain infinity. Uh, of course, that's not infinity. I have my shadows. But uh, at, at, at the chair, I'm so wide. I'm able to listen to stories that if I read them on on, on the newspaper... Uh, they would be too much. It's amazing to see the difference in my state of mind and how I'm able to contain reality. Yes. Mm -hmm. Still some of the stories come up before I go to sleep or when I meditate, you know, when I close my eyes for meditation, at first I can see the stories I heard. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Catholicism, they have this idea of being a sin-eater. In other words, you're feeling other people's sins, other people's pain. Yeah. It's a very, very elevated spiritual practice. And
2: That's a good reminder. I should probably do some tongue-line. That's a good idea. Yeah, sin-eater. Breathing in the pain and sending out light. That's a good idea.
0: Mm.
2: Ah. Hmm. You, you don't know me so much. I got to tell you, it's interesting for me to how I'm showing up because I because you're not Israeli, because I'm telling the story as Israeli to Americans. I, I tell the story in a wider way, even in my mind. So, you know, at the beginning of our talk, I, I got flooded and cried. That's not a common thing for me. I'm quite mm-hmm. a tough guy. I don't easily show feelings. And one of the amazing things that has happened is like I feel as if my heart was torn open and I am able to show feeling so much and to cry it out. It's actually... That's actually a blessing that I didn't want mm. to get. But, you know, now that I got it... You bet. That's, that's unique for me.
0: Mm.
3: And wh- what is it that... Is there something in you that shifted that allows you to... F- be so open to the feelings.
2: That's a good a good question. I'm not sure. I, can, I just recognize that it happened. I mean, since I became a dad 11, 12 years ago, I became very sensitive to children's stories. It's very hard for me to hear about children's pain. So that's what started it here in this story. There are so many children and parents that were hurt. But it's expanded to, you know, I, what I just told you that made me cry was thinking about a quarter of that uh, kibbutz that was killed. And I don't know, I just I'm able to feel and let it out, which is a blessing. Many people, it's too much and they're numb or they're too anxious right now. I'm actually happy that I'm able to cry. I feel way better. After those feelings get through me, it feels like infinite grief at the moment. But you know, even those small drops are are, are meaningful.
1: Shikhar, when my after my older brother committed suicide in my home, uh, I wasn't able to cry for over a year and a half. I was visiting a friend and get hit. And, you know, and it wasn't just a few tears. My whole body was just shaking and sobbing. And I called my friend and Mark, I need you. You know, he came in, he he was a smart guy, just sat there with me and it just came out, came out, it came out. And one of, one of the things I've been learning this summer, I've been on a pretty much a spiritual retreat of sorts and trying to deal with, you know, my PTSD and my pain. And what I came to realize is I'm broken. And, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men are going to put Johnny's pieces back together again. I am broke. And that's okay. And that we all are broken. And in the the advent or in the face of of these things are almost beyond horrific, what we can imagine. You know, this is not... This is not a bad guy cartoon or something or a Hollywood production. This is real. It's going on at the moment. How do we accept that brokenness and continue to function? And hopefully the answer can be, we can function better than we did before, because there's, as, as uh, Cohen, the great songwriter, he said, God, comes through the cracks, you know, and the brokenness, and that's where God can come through. And I imagine if I had someone of your experience spiritually and orientation, you could help them honor those cracks and and let the life come through. Because the other option is to become hateful and angry and irreparably broken yeah. and i guess the brokenness i'm talking about is a brokenness that allows spirit compassion and wisdom to come through and
2: <sighs> so so in, in some sense i feel like i've been practicing my whole life towards this moment i mean this is true about every moment but right now it really it's really powerful. I'm a therapist, I'm a uh, you know i I meditate for twenty I don't know twenty five years or so i I, I I'm trauma informed, integrally informed. Uh, I've been learning about grief just because I thought that's important. you know, Stephen Jenkinson and uh, what's his name Whaler, and wow this is the time to put all of this into practice. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And there's a crack in everything. This is where the light gets in and from trauma to Dharma and all of this stuff. Right now we're not there yet. But yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of work here in the next few years.
0: Mm.
2: Right now it's more about stabilizing. And functioning, we're not really in the processing piece yet.
0: Mm. Mm. You know, I
3: find myself just sitting with, sitting with the feelings you you have, and you evince as you as you speak, Shakar, and just. Being pulled to silence by them.
0: Yeah.
3: Somehow the words you know, don't come the way they usually do.
2: Yeah, I know this is a podcast and that's not really feeling, but that's <laughs> uh, yeah, you're really feeling something. I feel like I feel like grief.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And especially such deep grief, there there really aren't words. It's really I went today for the funeral. I didn't say anything, I just hugged them. What can I say?
1: No. Yeah. Right. We talked the other day and I was trying to sign something cheerful to say, or not cheerful, but something positive. And it felt, uh, yeah, either it didn't feel right or it just felt, you know, we're not,
2: Yeah, it's it's like uh, the words are like I'm here with you, but when I say it, it's not it. When when we can feel that it's meaningful, you know, the words don't really convey the presence. I'm here, presence with your unbelievable pain. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm,
3: that's helpful, Shikar, because my very active mind, of course, runs to ideas and solutions and what to do. And your point, you know, I think coming very deeply out of your own long-term work and your therapeutic practices, you're emphasizing the importance of just being with the being with the feelings. And being open to them, and I, I really appreciate your the concept you introduced, John of being a sin eater, uh being someone who can is willing to be open to an experience and others' pain, empathize with it and and in that process in some mysterious way, I don't think I understand, help the me- metabolism and and processing something as we, we know from therapy doing therapy there's something magical about just being willing to be with another human being in their pain and to not and to be open to it, not to contract, but to really open and try to empathize as fully as possible. and just being experienced, being felt by someone is such a such a gift.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. I could feel how this is helping me. Thank you, Rogers. <laughs> mm. Just with you doing that and being that, yeah.
3: yeah. Well, I'm certainly aware of aware of the way this is touching me, and I'm a little teary at the moment. And yeah, you know, I spent the last you know part of this, significant part of this, of course, having like all, so many people around the planet. I've been caught up in in reading and watching this unfolding. Disaster, and have been, you know, doing some study over the last few days, and kind of try to wrap my head and get some understanding. But it's very different in this moment, now to be with you and to feel your the pain, but also the the openness and just receptivity you you demonstrate to it, and, and that feels like oh, this is where the this is where the personal healing is, in this kind of immediacy of experience.
2: Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, because I was thinking what I should talk about <laughs> ahead of time. Yeah.
3: I-, I was thinking about it too. But <laughs> I was thinking about three. <laughs> <laughs> but- but but you've brought us into the immediacy of the experience and the process, and it's you're making me realize: yes, this is where, yes, we need uh, the thinking and the big picture and the holding perspectives and uh, all the things I was trying to do, in which I did, uh, I hoped we might be able to do together. But but what I'm realizing now, I'm being humbled and realizing the the importance of the. Just being willing to let the ideas go and 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 be with the you and you in the immediacy of your experience and our now our shared experience and I'm reminded of the words of Carl Jung: learn your theories as well as possible, but set them aside when you come in contact with the living soul. Yeah, feels yeah. yeah. very right. And yeah. I really. appreciate appreciate your your openness and and bringing us into the immediacy of this experience
2: yes thank you yeah I'm actually really what's the word not excited but uh, curious about my experience I'm, I'm at the same time very open and and like this deep under deep knowing of everything is okay while Grieving so deeply, I never felt such deep pain and grief and agony. That's my main experience. I have other sides, but that's my main experience. And being open, that's very special, very unique.
0: Hmm.
3: So you mentioned three things, Shikhar, and I'd love to have you say a little more because you spoke of spoke of experiencing pain and grief unlike you'd ever felt. And you spoke of simultaneous openness to the fullness of your experience and clearly your clients and others' experience. And you also have mentioned twice now this sense of okayness underneath. And I wonder if you, and I have, I love you if you could, love it if you could just say a little more about that because it feels really important. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, it's best. It's best described as a knowing. It's not a belief. I don't believe that. I mm-hmm. just know it. It feels like in in my bones almost.
1: Yeah.
2: That everything is okay and things might get worse. I don't know. You know, my, the the people around me that that are anxious, they might be right. We just had something that we didn't know we should be anxious of. So. Hezbollah, Syria, Iran, That might happen. It might get worse. And still there's this just knowing that everything is okay. It's not really if I put it to words, it takes it away. You know, I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to suffer. I still have a lot to give. I don't I'm not ready to die yet. But I at the same time I know that if that happens, that, that that's okay. It happens. That's part of the big plan, big picture, big movement, big love.
1: Well, Shikar, and also what you're saying is one of the perennial teachings that we get from all the great mystics, you know, that in spite of everything, the horror, the pain, the ridiculousness of human beings and how much we hate each other and how we behave sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that everything is essentially okay. And I think I mentioned in our conversation I had that insight deeply this summer, and uh, then I discovered that you know the the most famous phrase from Julian of Norwich, who was a uh, a mystic, who's because of the radicalness of her views were kept in hiding for 500 years. They that wouldn't have been accepted in medieval Catholicism, but her most famous phrase is "All shall be well." All shall be well. All shall be well. And it's that knowing that it is. That it's okay. And that it could not be any other way. And why is that so? Well, because that's the way God is. You know. And. Okay. Thank you. And I think my heart is beginning to catch up with the inside of my brain when I saw that and I realized other people had said that before me. It's just, it's just our deepest nature beyond this nightmare that we find ourselves asleep in that there's essential okayness. And that's what, you know, the great mystics have said. The Sufi, the, the Jewish, the, the Christian, the Buddhist, the native teachers that I've had, Native American, Indian.
2: Yeah. And I'm sharing that not as a teaching, just as an experience. I would not say to anybody here in Israel right now. No. No I, no. I kind of I kind of forgot this is recorded and I told it to you guys, but you know, I, I'm I'm very humble with this experience right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, People's experience
2: yeah, is quite it, broken and me telling them everything is okay, that's just you know.
3: Well, yeah, it's I understand your husband, Shakar. It's a, it's a context which um as you eloquently said, John, is expressed by so many of the greatest. Uh, Sages, and yet it's uh, it's a it's a transpersonal perspective, which for me at least is you know I can taste at times, but it certainly can't stabilize. And yeah, and so and to to even to state it is tricky because some people will, will interpret it as an undercutting of the. Of the, their pain or tragedy, and yet, yet that's your experience—at least some of the time. Shekar, and it's the experience of uh, a lot of the greatest sages we've had. So, I'm grateful you acknowledge that, uh, in no way diminishing the pain and suffering.
2: And and you know, Roger, while you're speaking, I'm realizing I've been working with this feeling for, I don't know, 20 something years, but what's different now, or I would say differently, sometimes this knowing would get me dissociated, would get me Mm. transcend the body. And what I'm experiencing right now is a very embodied experience. Everything is okay. And I'm grieving, right? There's no dissociation, no way transcending the grief, the pain.
3: Yeah. That that makes sense and that's the way I've heard these teachings expressed is like it's all okay and there's enormous horror and suffering and pain.
1: Enormous, yeah.
3: And somehow both both are true in a way that I don't fully understand.
1: Yeah. There therein lies the the mystery, if we will. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, let me let me put something out there, and I don't know if I should say this right now, but anyway, I, I told people before you got here. I said if I say anything really stupid, we can edit it. You know, so but I, I was, I, you know, preparing for this. I didn't know if I was going to be ready for it. You know, I didn't know if I was just going to be weeping and screaming, and you know, just really deeply feeling. And, and if I had anything to do, and I was like thinking about, you know, what, you know, what what is Israel to do? in this situation.
0: Stay tuned for part two in which we look at what we on the outside of the battle zone can do and at historical examples of how warring nations have
1: reconciled. Today's episode was brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit the Deep Transformation website to find out more about iAwake's audio tools designed to wake us up, grow us up as a part of our daily deep transformational practice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Deep Transformation podcast, and we greatly appreciate your comments, suggestions, and questions. Thank you for all you are and all you do. From John, Roger, and the Deep Transformation team.